0: You could turn with me to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, we invite you to take a, one of the black Bibles that are in some of the chairs in front of you and some of the seats and take that as a gift and use that. We'd love for you to have that Bible if you don't have one. First Timothy chapter six. I really pray that we as a church, every one of us, would really mean what we sang a few minutes ago, and we would say, with every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home, and day by day I know He will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. Can we really say full heartedly, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus and all the evermore to him, that when this race of life is complete, I will still in heaven repeat. At the end of a book that we've been studying called 1 Timothy, a letter from Paul to Timothy, a pastor in a church. He gave instructions of how to live. He said that you are to cherish this great gospel and never get over it. And you are to grow in everything that relates to that. Your practice should live out this new love that has come upon you because Jesus died for our sins. He gets to the end of this book. After telling them all these things, he says something really, really important. That if you forget this, all of that, all else could be lost. Now, I didn't come close to living during World War II. I'm not sure if, is anybody here alive during World War II? If so, would you raise your hand? Okay, they're sprinkled throughout. God bless you. Um, I love history and World War II, and life changed in America during World War II, but it really changed in the island of the United Kingdom or in England. And in 1941 in October, a statesman came to visit a school for young men after having visited a year earlier, and he came and gave remarks about what was going on in the war effort, and he said these words, For everyone, surely what we have gone through in this period, the last ten months, which had been tremendous. It was so bleak 10 months ago, and it looked like it wasn't yet that the island would be swallowed up by the Nazis. There was actually a glimmer of hope after 10 months of fighting, especially the Battle of Britain. But he says this, I am addressing myself to the school. Surely, from this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except in convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Well, you may know that this was Winston Churchill, one of his famous speeches used in so many graduation addresses or commencement addresses nowadays, and a beautiful call to not give up. And as Paul famously writes to Timothy at the end of this letter, he says to Timothy do not give up endure persevere keep the faith would you read with me 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11 through 16 he says this but as for you o man of god flee these things pursue righteousness Godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Just feel his intensity here. I charge you in the presence of God. It's like He's listening. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and to Jesus Christ who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come. And that appearing will display at the proper time, and you know who's going to display that appearing of Jesus? He, God, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be the praise or honor and eternal dominion forever. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? He gives us reason in this passage and He calls us and He says, Timothy, He says, O man of God, these guys right here, O men of God, He says to the congregation, He's saying it to one man, Timothy, but He says it to all of us, O oh, men of God, and I think and extend it to anyone that have called upon the name of the Lord, O oh, people of God, and then he says, keep the faith, don't give up, seek righteousness. Now I want, it, I want us to be challenged by this today, are you in that place? Are you in the faith that you are to fight that fight of faith? Or are you just outside of it and you, this, this doesn't really make sense to you? I want to ask you this. Are you sitting here this morning on a Sunday morning, May 19th, are you in the faith? Have you been truly born again and saved? Have you come to see Jesus as the true and only Savior of the sins that you so desperately need taking care of? Because this book has so revealed to you that you are a broken sinner of need of a Savior and you desperately need those sins removed, and you fell down before Him, and you pled for forgiveness, and you believed that what Jesus did on the cross to die for sins was actually done for you, and you've received it by faith. You've received it as a gift. and, And because you believe that He saved you, you now want to live your life to follow Him because something new is welling up in your heart, and And we learn that it's the Holy Spirit that now is in you. Are you in the faith? I'm not just asking, have you been baptized? Some of you have not been baptized and need to be baptized as an expression of your belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So embracing the faith is believing a specific content. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I need Him to be my Savior, and I put my trust in Him. It leads not to a life of hypocrisy and not to a life of perfection, but it leads to real living and growing in godliness. Not perfection, but growing in godliness. This letter says, Timothy, model this life of godliness and devotion to him and call the church to follow. Paul told Timothy in chapter 3 to watch his life in chapter four, to watch his life closely and his teaching to keep the faith, not to give up, don't fail, well, the Hebrews say it like this, don't fail like the Israelites did in the wilderness, but instead, keep on keeping on. This morning, I want us to do a little self-examination. Where are you in this point of life? Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? Are you a Christian? And how are you doing in that? Are you on the verge of quitting? Do you want to give up? This passage calls you not to give up, but to look to a sovereign and glorious God who gives eternal life to those who lay hold unto salvation to which you have been called. This passage in this sermon is about persevering and endurance and patience in trial and steadfastness. It's why books like that book on deep shadows and lamenting to God is given to us so that in the midst of our painful circumstances, we lift our eyes to God and say, just like all of the Christians and saints that have gone in the past, I with them will put my trust even in the darkness because I know whom I believed, because you have come in and rescued me. Paul is telling to Timothy, don't give up. Don't abandon your post. And oh, teach the church in of Ephesus, and so to us, teach the church in Linden to not give up, but to persevere. And he does it with a series of action verbs that are imperatives. You know what imperatives are. Hey, son, go cut the grass. Son, take the garbage out. Son, obey your mother. Those are commands. Those are imperatives. Do you see the imperatives in this passage? There are many. He says, I'm going to point them out to you. Verse 11. O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. What is he talking about? Well, you'd have to pick up what he was talking about earlier. He's saying... Oh, run away from loving money. Run away from false teaching. Run away from controversies that will distract you. Run away from that. You have a need to endure, so you need to run away from anything that's going to just keep you from enduring. Anything that will try to make you quit, run away from those things. I don't know how many of you have read one of the oldest classics in Christian literature called Pilgrim's Progress. It's a beautiful book. They made a lot of different movies, and you can actually get modern renditions of it on Kindle or Amazon or even in any bookstore. But there's a very vivid vivid image by Christian. The very early part of the book, he's in the city of destruction, and he finally realizes he's a sinner, and he's going to go to hell if he doesn't repent, and an evangelist gives him the message of the gospel and he says, see, see the narrow gate? Follow that, that's where the cross is. You go there, you're gonna find life. And as he starts to go there, he realizes his sin is on him. He has this big heavy burden and he starts to go there and all his townspeople, including his family, are crying out to say, don't go that direction. Don't go that direction towards life. And he puts his fingers in his ears and he starts running that way Imagine that illustration. You put your fingers in your ears, you start running, and you yell out to yourself so you can't hear anybody else. Eternal life. Eternal life. Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, flee these things. Put your fingers over your ears over the love of money or every, anything else that will distract you from the gospel. And oh, just run after what matters. So here's first verb is flee. And then he says but he doesn't just say flee, he says pursue. And then he gives a list of six virtues. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. This sermon, I'm not going to have time to bring out each one of them, other than he's saying, I want you to pursue the obeying of God's word and a complete devotion to the one that you've surrendered your life to, that's how you must must grow in that and never stop growing that. And that message is for you and me, brother and sister, this morning. You and I are called to, to flee sin and run after righteousness and godliness. That is why we need the body of Christ to encourage us and even point out even at times our sin, and to to confront us and help us and love us. We are to pursue these things so that we would not give up the faith. And then he moves to the third word, fight. He says, and this this is, as someone told me as we were talking about this passage this week, here's a Rocky speech. You know, all the Rocky movies? Here's, Here's this Rocky. He's saying... He says, I want you to fight the good fight. That means you're gonna get you're gonna get punched and you're gonna fall to the mat and you're gonna get back up again. And you might be pushed against the corners, but you're gonna go after, you are not gonna get up. You are gonna fight and fight the good fight of the faith. Do not quit. And then he says, I want you to take hold of eternal life to which you've been called. You here's an imagery. I, I can't, it's. I, I had a, a pony for just a short time and it didn't last long because we just had a hard time taking care of it. And so we had a we had this horse, and I remember hanging on to that horse as a, probably a little 10-year-old and falling off several times. And Dad would say, you gotta hang on. And Paul's saying, you are there's a tenacity that you are to take hold of and you are to grab hold on to eternal life. Now, in Philippians, we learn this, that we hold on to Christ and we can't let go. And then as we go, we realize that it's Him holding on to us all along. He's not letting us go. We're going to sing that just at the end of the service today. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For I know my Savior will hold me fast. And then he lastly says, keep the commandment. Now, we don't have time to go into all. What does that mean? I think what Paul is saying is this commandment is the commandment of the gospel to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and all that believing on Jesus takes on in your life. That means obedience to God, and that means hating sin. That means sharing the message of the gospel. It's being faithful to the commandment to the end. He says, keep the commandment unblemished and without reproach to the end. This is a call to all Christians, all that call upon their name of the Lord to not give up in the midst of trial and tribulation that's going to come from persecution because the people in Paul's day were being persecuted for faith. And we may not be getting persecuted for our faith, but they sure are in in certain parts of Africa and Asia and in the Middle East. There are believers that are being killed for the name of Jesus Christ. For us, it may be stickered at, looked as weird, out of touch, people that actually literally believe this book, all of it. And oh, we are to love and to be faithful, but we are to hold fast to it, to keep the commandment to the end. This is a call to activity, continual activity, not a passivity. It calls us to not waver, but to keep going on. And I want to say this, you and I can never do this apart from each other. You and I, God never intended Christians to get saved and then kind of do their own, me and my own Christianity life. Once they're saved, if you've been saved and called on the name of the Lord, you enter into a family called the church, also called the body, and you're a member of that body, and you are called to be held accountable and to be helped by pastors and others. You're to help others so much so that Paul I mean the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 10 says he's saying in this whole message don't give up that's why you need to gather together to stir one another up to love and to good works i hope we'll do that tonight when we gather at 5:30 we'll eat and then we're going to gather and share testimonies and i pray that it will stir us up to more love for god and love for others now in the brief few minutes that we have left, I want to point to you from this passage, which is saying, Faith Church, you, man of God, woman of God, you that are in this room, you are called to not give up but to keep the faith. And in this, in this small paragraph, Paul gives five reasons of why you need to keep the Faith. Five motivators. On the back, there actually is the outline, so you have them right there, and I pray that you'll review them and look at them. Five things that should draw our hearts to God and cling to them, and they only make sense if you've truly given your life to Jesus and believe in Him and are saved. If you're not there, I pray that today would be the beginning of a new life for you because God is calling you to follow Jesus Christ, to have your sins forgiven, and begin this new life called being a Christian. So here are things that we need to know that are fundamental to not giving up and keeping the faith. Here are the five. Number one, you need to know your new identity. These are all you need to know stuff. You need to know your new identity. Look at verse 11. What does he call, what does he call Timothy? O oh man of God. You, But you, O oh man of God. He's talking to Timothy here. He's giving a term and he's saying, you are God's man. This is typical of Old Testament language when you talk to Moses or some of the prophets. Timothy, you are God's man for the hour. And I want to argue to you or say to you this morning, if you have been saved, God's put his mark on you, and you are a man of God or you're a woman of God. You are a child of God and you are his person. The Bible says you are his saints today. But you are his children, and we need to know our identity. And he identifies him in that. He says, now, you need to not quit, but remember who you are. Because it's easy for us to live a life forgetting who we are. We get going through the cares and the stresses. We deal with our own sinfulness, the flesh that wells up and leads to bitterness and anger and, and wrong fears and discontentment and selfishness, we need to hear the smelling salts of this verse say, but you, oh man, a woman of God, wake up. Remember who you are. You, you're not the old person anymore. He has saved you. That's the first thing. We need to know our identity. The second thing is we need to know our calling. I'm a pastor of a church. I received a calling at a time in my life to be a minister or a pastor. That was a special calling. It led to a type of ordination into a church and serving and pastoring and shepherding a church. You, in a sense, ordained or called me into this church to shepherd and lead as a pastor. But I want to tell you this. You all have a more important calling than that, and I do too, if you have truly been saved, and that is, you have been called to eternal life. Well, I want you to see the life to which you have been called. If you are a true believer, you have been called to eternal life, and you are called to take hold of it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is our destiny, and it's our immediate presence. Because when we put our trust in Him, that calling begins right now, and it's a calling of eternal life. So you might be here this morning and feeling like, I just, am, I just need a time out from God. I don't want to pray anymore. I'm just so discouraged, and I just don't see how this is all working in my life. I want you to know that if you put your trust in Christ Jesus, God is your God, and He has called you to eternal life, and He will help you understand in time, but He will help you deal with and endure this. You may need, you're going to need this book, and you're going to need friends in your life that are going to help you and sit with you and be there for you. But do not give up or be surprised when deep trials come. You have been called to eternal life. Hope in God. There's a a scene in The Lord of the Rings, both in the books and in the movies, where Sanibel Mountain, to destroy the ring or the world would be destroyed, but they in some way felt like they were a people of destiny called to do this. They had this calling upon them. As they were going up to destroy this ring, there's this scene where Samwise Gamgee, this simple, simple bumpkin of a hobbit, is, is weak and not very special but he has stick to itness, perseverance, and grit. And he says, We'll go up there, Frodo, even if I have to carry him. And he does. And he, because he knew he had a calling, and he knew that what he was doing was greater than that moment, and he had hope in the end. There's a line where he says, There's always hope there was no, felt like there was no hope. Oh, there is hope because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He promises eternal life and he will give it for all who trust in him. Let us not settle on the temporal, short-lived things in this world and that requires our faith in this God. So we need to know our new identity and we need to know our new calling. If you're saved, you're called to eternal life. Let that help you this week not give up in whatever you're struggling with. Number three, we also need to know the commitment we made when we became a Christian, namely in our baptism. Commitment we made when we became a Christian in our baptism. Verse 12 says, take hold of eternal life to which you've been called and by which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now some think this is, he's saying Timothy, you made a confession in front of witnesses. Some say maybe it was his ordination when he became a minister or a a missionary or an evangelist. I think it has to do with when he was baptized. He had put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and then they gathered around and they baptized him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he made a testimony. He says, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in front of all these witnesses, and I want to follow Jesus Christ to the end. And he's saying, don't give up, because remember you made a promise. Remember you made that in good faith? Keep that commitment to the end. How many many of you are in this room that have put your faith in Christ, and then you were baptized? If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have not been yet baptized as a believer, you need to do that. It's not too late. If you hear that call to obedience, let us know And get baptized, whether you're young or you're old and you feel like, oh, it's embarrassing to get baptized at this age. I should have been baptized before. Well, there are many in this room who will say, I've been in the same situation and I'm glad I obeyed. But instead, remember the commitment. Remember the good confession that you made. You made a confession. You proclaimed that Jesus was Christ and you weren't ashamed of it when you were baptized, even though you knew that people would disown you Have you made that commitment? Was that real? In our baptisms now, we'd say this. We'll get the baptism person up and we'll say, Bob, do you make profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins and was raised on the third day? Yes, I do. That's a confession. And do you, you, Mauricio... Trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness and the hope of eternal life? Yes, I do. And do you, Tracy, promise to follow Him by His grace for the rest of your life? Yes, I do. And do you, Jim? Jim, I have to ask you this question. Who is your Lord and your Savior? Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. That is the good confession of our faith. I just want to, I want to challenge you this. This week, this year, don't run towards pornography or adultery or just the world's ways that will just draw you away and you just quit on God. Because you remember that by God's grace, he brought you to a place that you put your trust in him and it was real. And you run back to him and remember you made a good confession before other witnesses and that you are called to eternal life and someday the pain of this world that sometimes just doesn't make sense will be brought together and make sense. And remember because of all this, he's made you his son or daughter. There's two more things, reasons that Paul gives for why he shouldn't give up. And number four is this because we need to know the Savior who didn't give up the faith but gave himself for us. Look at verse 13 and 14. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives all things, gives life to all things, and Christ Jesus. Now, this is an interesting statement. He says, I charge you in the presence of Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. He just said, Paul, Timothy, you made a good confession. I'm saying probably at his baptism, it might have been ordination. But he made this good confession. And now he's saying, do this remembering Jesus did it. Maybe you want to quit. And he's saying, remember your Savior, Jesus Christ, recently that was on TV. Remember, remember, he came before this man, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and he says, Jesus, I can let you go. Uh, are you really the king of the Jews like they say? And Jesus answers in the affirmative, you say that I am. And Jesus could have not confessed these things. He could have said certain things, go have got him off the hook. But no, he was in obedience to the Father. He had a calling and he had a mission and he was going to endure to the end with joy. And he said, I will go and I will confess what God has called me to. I am the Son of God and I am going to go and I'm going to die and raise again. I am the King. And Jesus went and made the good confession of his faith and he died and rose again and gave himself for us. Here's the here's here is our call in our lives. We know our savior didn't give up the faith, but instead he gave himself up for us. He didn't give up the faith, he gave himself for you and me by dying on the cross for our sins that we didn't deserve that we did not deserve that rescue and he gave it to us. All of us faith church, brothers and sisters in Christ, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author of your faith, and the finisher of your faith. Look to Jesus, because when this cross was set before him, he didn't run or quit, he didn't give up, he fought the good fight of faith, he took hold of the calling that he had, he despised the shame, and he he looked at the joy set before him, eternal life for all of us that believe in him, and he obeyed. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in all glory. And he will someday bring rescue to all that have put their trust in him and eternal punishment for all who reject him. So we need to not give up because Jesus didn't give up, but gave up for us. Gave himself up for us. Lastly, we need to not give up because we need to know the sovereign God whom we serve and always remember that his Sunday his son will someday return and win it all I, I want to say that again we need to know that our sovereign God I, I pray that over the next if you're at this church over the next year or two or three you will be put before this Word of God in Sunday school and on Sunday morning on Wednesday night in your life groups and wherever you are you in your Bible studies whatever it is and you will learn to know this God's glory that all the enemies of this world will be nothing in compared to him. And you'll say, I don't want to give up because this God is so good. He is so sovereign. I live in his light. And if, I'm, if he is for me, who can be against me? That's how Paul ends this whole section. He ends this section and he says, I charge you to keep the commandment to the end, even if you might die for it. He doesn't say that literally, but that's what Timothy knows could happen. He says, in the presence of this God who will display Jesus someday. Jesus is coming again. Jesus will come again. He will appear and he is going to vindicate. He's going to bring punishment on evil and he's going to bring reward to those who put trust in him because God said it, God's going to do it. And oh we as people don't give up because we have this God. Look at this these verses. He says He will display at the proper time He who is blessed and only sovereign. He's worshiping now. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honor and glory. Amen. So you will be tempted to fear man, his threats and torture or mockery. But remember, you're a servant of the blessed and only sovereign. And you may be intimidated by enemies of Jesus or by Satan or by the world or by your own flesh. But remember, faith church, that you serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. You may have your life threatened or your comfort threatened because your flesh will attack you or Satan will attack you or people in this world may attack you for your faith. But you serve the one who alone has immortality, who gives life. You may want to give it all up when the shame of the world is upon you and the glitter of gold will try to allure you to give up, to say, that Christianity stuff, it's nothing. But you serve the one who dwells in unapproachable light. To him will have eternal dominion. Oh, I call you to faith, church. I call myself as a pastor who I hear almost on a weekly basis of either people I know, know of or know that are, are quitting. And then I hear of others that are, are coming to the faith. Oh, let us, not, let us not throw our good confession that we had to the side, but know that we've been called to a, a Savior who gave himself for us and loves us. And I lastly want to call to you, because every Sunday we have people that are in this room that are visiting regularly, they're seeking, and they haven't yet known the assurance of a great Savior who died on the cross in order to rescue even someone like you, in order to transform your life and bring you hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, He's going to count the cost because He's going to demand all from you. But all that you couldn't keep, And He gives you life in His Son. And so, Paul ends this whole time, and I'm going to end with this. Paul writes a second letter. Maybe this was 10 years, 5 years, a few years later, he writes a second letter to Timothy. He's about to be beheaded in a Roman jail because of the faith. And he writes to Timothy one more time. These are the last words from Paul to Timothy he says, The time of my departure, meaning death, has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the faith race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not just me, but also those who love my appearing. Who, who live in a way that my appearing someday won't be scary, but it will be great. He says, at my first defense, no one could came and stood next to me. All deserted me, and may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear to it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every." evil deed. And forever and ever, amen. I'd invite the worship team to come up as we close with a song. Let's pray if you'd bow with me. Father, I pray that you would so make this pastor and the pastors of this church and the deacons, pastors' wives and deacons' wives and the members and their, their families, man and woman and children and teens, young and old, Those that are visiting, those that are here, I pray that you would help us to see how glorious, how much of a glory that you've called us to, to eternal life. And I pray that we would, by faith, grab hold of Jesus Christ by faith and repent of our sins in our lives. I pray that we would pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. Help us to keep the faith. God, if there are any here that are on the verge of quitting, oh God, would you grab hold of them in a way that they just feel grabbed hold of? There are some here that have left the faith, In your mercy bring them back. God, use this song as an expression of our declaring our faith in your never-ending grip.